Well, this morning, uh, you can be seated if you'd like. Um, Pastor and Sister Brienne stayed over in Newcastle, uh, Indiana, to preach for the uh, for the Jacos there, and um, so this morning you are stuck with me. Um, I know Pastor's a better preacher than I am, and uh, I, I always he's much more articulate, and uh, I, I really enjoy hearing him speak. But um, this morning, um, I have a word that I would like to speak to you guys this morning, something that God has laid on my heart. Um, it goes in line. There was uh, several of the songs this morning that were, that were saying that um, that was a confirmation of the word that God has given me to speak this morning. Um, we're going to be looking into Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. Mark 4. Verses 35 through 41. This is a uh, familiar portion of Scripture to anyone who has studied the Word, has read through the Gospels, has sit in a Sunday school class, or been through any type of uh, biblical teaching. Um, this is a this is going to be a familiar a familiar Scripture to you. Mark chapter four, verses 35 through 41. It says, "On that day." When evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. Jesus is speaking to the disciples. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the, in the boat just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and, and the waves were breaking into the boat. So 37 we find where they're on a boat, and they're traveling across the Sea of Galilee, and this great windstorm arrives, and it says, the Bible says that the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. Jesus is found asleep in the stern on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we perish, that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Again, I tell you, this is a... Uh, familiar portion of scripture where Jesus is found stepping out and calming the sea, where Jesus calms the storm. It's it's recorded in three of the four gospels, in the three synoptic gospels, uh, and it, it, it's something that I believe stuck out in the minds of the followers of Christ and and of the disciples and those recording. His life. This was a story that uh, that we find from the context, from the way that it's laid out, and what happens uh, from the beginning all the way, and then tying it into the end of that story. We find that it was a, a revelatory moment for the disciples, for uh, for those following after him, and those who have dedicated their life to him to understand exactly what his power and his authority was. What exactly Jesus was able to do for them and through them. It was pivotal in their understanding 
of who Jesus was and who Jesus could be in their life. You see, Jesus at this point had done some miracles. There were some things, if you go through each of the of the Gospels, there's a little bit of a, of a different layout. And each person, it's kind of like if an accident happens, if a vehicle accident happens, and there's uh, three people that are, that are watching that accident, they're going to give three uh, different versions of what happened there. And all three will be true, and all three will be what they saw and experienced. But each one of them will have a little bit of a different twist to it. And, and, and some will be focused on certain things than, than others. And, and we find as you look at the three uh, gospels and the three recordings of this story that, that each of them have a little bit of a different uh, slant or look at what happens up until this point. But we know that Jesus is establishing his followers and that Jesus has done some miracles and that Jesus has, has, um, has revealed who he is and, and some of his purpose and that he begins to to teach to them and he begins to uh, talk in parables and begins to, uh, to to lead those that are wanting to follow him and he establishes the twelve and and, and he's, he's doing these things and, and the Bible says at this moment that we come to here that Jesus is is speaking and and he's talking to uh, to the disciples and a crowd gathers and all of them that would listen he's there and he's teaching them and and whenever he is finished whenever the day is done Jesus says let's go over to the other side so the disciples get onto a ship with him and they begin to travel to the other side of the sea of Galilee. And the Bible says that other ships also are traveling along with them. And they are making this journey. Just a little bit of, of context here. The Sea of Galilee is approximately 12 miles long and 7 miles wide. And the sea is well below sea level and, and is surrounded by, uh, by mountains. And, and, and the location of the sea makes the water very warm. And it's surrounded by the mountains with cool air. And as the cool air begins to rush down the mountains and meet the warm air of the sea, it, it, it's, it's common for there to be violent storms to begin to erupt. And I think we can kind of understand this. We're, we are not in, in Tornado Alley here, but they happen around us. And we understand whenever cool air mixes with warm air. I always wonder if if maybe sometimes in the car, whenever I've got the air conditioner going and Danielle's got her side. Anybody got a car with the split air? Where on the passenger side you can do one, the driver's side the other. I've got cold air going. My wife's got hot air. I'm always afraid a tornado is going to happen in her car. But whenever the cool air meets the warm air, there there begins to be circulation and there begins to be storms that that come and high winds will come out of that. And on this day, we see where one of these great storms erupts. One of these great storms erupt in the life of the disciples. The disciples, the disciples are in this boat with Jesus. He is their master. They have left everything and they have begun to follow after him. He is their teacher. He is the one that they have devoted their life to. They are now following him forever, for eternity. They are going to be followers of this man. They, are, uh, they, they, have, they have devoted their life to, to do everything that he tells them to do. So whenever he says, get on this, on this boat and let's go to the other side, without a question, they say, all right, let's do it. So the disciples learn very quickly at this moment something that we can learn very quickly in our walk with God. And that is that even in moments 
where we are with Jesus and we are walking with Him and He is teaching us and we are learning and we have devoted our life with Him that storms can still arrive in our life. Amen? It's all a part of life. Storms are a part of our life. It's just part of it. One day everything is going great, and then the next day it seems like everything is falling apart. And it's hills and valleys, and it's mountaintop experiences. And I'm always nervous of mountaintop experiences because I know that there's only one place to go from there. And anytime I'm like having a great, great week or a great, great day, I'm like, all right, here it comes. Because you know what's coming next, right? That there's, that there's, it's just, it's just a part of life. It doesn't mean necessarily that you are are living wrong or that you're in sin. or It's just part of life, that there's ups and downs. There's hills and valleys. There's mountaintop experiences. And then there's low moments that we have to deal with. And, and the disciples... The disciples, they, some of them, majority of them were fishermen. They understood what it was like to be on the sea and, and that there were times that storms would come. But I'm sure that it gave a little bit of a different insight and a little bit of a different feeling whenever they were in the ship or in the boat with Jesus. And maybe they even felt like that because we went along with him and because we're going on the path that he told us to go on and he told us to to get into the boat and let's go, that maybe this should have been an easier ride. We know that it's possible for the storms to come and we know that it's possible for things to happen and we know that the inevitable will happen. But whenever I got in the boat with Jesus, shouldn't things have just calmed down? Shouldn't things have gone a little bit easier? But the disciples learned very quickly, and we will learn this as well, that even whenever we are on the right track, even whenever we are doing everything right, even whenever we are following after Jesus and he is with us, we will still at times face storms. They will come. Can anybody attest to that? Amen. Storms will come in our life. The difference that will be made, though, The difference that will be made is how we react to the storm in our life. The difference that will be made will be the way that we react to the the thing that has moved into our life, that has come against us, that has tried to hurt us, that has has moved against our life, our family, our our home, our our job, our finances, our marriages, the the things that, that are coming against us that we're having to deal with. The way that we react to that thing will de- will determine will determine what happens to the storm when we examine the storm in this text the bible tells us that, that this is a very serious storm, that this is not something that is just uh, just a, you know a, a, a small shower that comes by. You know, sometimes we get those. We get those in the physical and we get those in our life. We get things that happen, um, you know, I, I could I could do it this way. This is not in my notes. I'm trying to come up with something off the top of my head. But say say we had a real hot summer day or, or month, and all of a sudden the, the 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 electric bill comes in, and it's twice what it should be. All right, that's a little shower, right? That something comes through, and it's like, man, that's that's tough, you know. But whenever the electric bill comes in, and it's twice as much as it should be. And then the air conditioner goes out, and you've got to call a guy. And then you get a call that you've lost your job. Now, that's a storm. 
Okay, that's a storm that's coming into your life. That's that's something that's serious, something that you need immediate help with. All right, and the Bible tells us that this was a serious storm. This wasn't just a a uh, uh, just a shower that was passing by, but the Bible says things like the wind was raging, that the waves were beating the boat, and that the water was even coming into the boat that they were in. Now, I've never been on a boat when there was a storm, and I'm, I'm not a fan of water, okay? I'm not a fan of water. I don't even take baths, okay? I'm a shower guy because I just, I, I, don't, I don't know. I've never heard of anybody drowning in the shower, all right? So I, I, I'm, I'm, not a big, I'm not a big water guy. Um, but I, I have had the opportunity recently since I moved here to go out and go out to incline and fish with pasture a little bit. And uh, man, that has and and Shane, I fished with Shane a little bit too. You know, that's that's all right. It's it's pretty good. <laughs> but uh, we we've gone out to we've gone out to incline and we fished a little bit off of a boat. It's my first time to ever do that, and and I've enjoyed that experience. I've enjoyed being able to go out and to do that. But I've never been on a boat mainly because I don't I don't care to where it's storming bad. And I'm talking about more than just a little bit of rain. I've I've been on a on a ferry boat before carrying uh, carrying us across to an island whenever it was raining. But I'm not talking about just rain. I'm talking about a storm, a storm cloud moving in, and and the waves beginning to white cap, and you're out there on a boat. I've never been in that situation. A pastor tells of a of a day that he was out fishing, and uh, all of a sudden the storm blew in, and before he could get the truck pulled around and the boat out, that there were I, I don't know. You heard the story too. Shane went three or four foot like white caps and the water was coming in the boat and he was afraid he was going to lose it and and just tell him the story and I'm I'm so glad that I was not in the boat that day or else it would have ruined my experience to go fishing because I would probably never ever go back but we we hear of stories like this and even just this past year there was the tragedy of the Branson duck boat experience and 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 how a storm just immediately comes up on the water and and the waves begin to overtake a boat killing so many people and and this family and even reaching and, and affecting the church and and, and I, I, I Whenever I begin to think of that, I, I have a hard time. I've told you guys that the way that I read the Bible and the way that I begin to look at the Word is I try to put myself in that situation. And I try to put myself in the situation of the disciples that day. Of, of being in a boat and you're traveling across this water that you know where that, that storms may come. And you're with Jesus the one that you have devoted your life to, that you are following, the teacher, the one who claims to be God, who, who teaches with authority and, and, and you believe him to be the Messiah. You're, you're on the boat with him, but all of a sudden this storm comes. It wasn't just a bad storm, but it was at night. It was at the end of the day. And I can, I can imagine, again, trying to put myself in their shoes that they may have lost their bearings and not sure of their location and unsure of how far they are from the shore, from the shore and which way to go and, and, and not, not knowing how to make it out of this situation. And then to top all of it off, the boat is taking on water. Okay? I am terrified. I'm just thinking about it. Has anybody ever thought about a height and then your 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 heart kind of skips a beat? Anybody afraid of heights? You, you think about looking over a cliff or something and your heart skips. I'm thinking about this moment right now 
of being on the water and, and, and the water coming into the boat and the storm happening. And, and I am, I literally feel a little anxious right now because of this moment. I can, I can imagine what it would have felt like for them to be on that water. In this situation, in this situation through, through study, it, it, it was customary at this time for them to begin to do everything that they could to try to keep the boat from sinking. That you can't, in, in their mind, you can't control the storm. You can't control uh, the wind and you can't control the waves. So we've got to do whatever we can to make sure that this boat does not sink. So it would have been customary for them to begin to use buckets or uh, bowls or whatever they had on hand to try and get the water out of the boat. That as the, wave, as the waves are beginning to wash in, that they are trying to get the water out of the boat just as quickly as possible. I can imagine that it was an all-hands-on-deck kind of moment where they are yelling to one another and telling them, work faster and work harder. I can see all of the men using these buckets and, and doing anything that they could to try to get the water off of this boat when suddenly they noticed that someone is missing. I, 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 can, I can see it. I can see it. I can see them working so hard to make sure that the boat does not sink. And they're looking at one another and they're taking inventory of what's going on and, and maybe even making sure that nobody has gone overboard. We've, we've threatened to, to, to put Brother Shane overboard a couple times while we were fishing. Um, he's threatened to put me overboard. I don't think it's safe that we fish together. But we, we, we you know, I, I'm sure that there's a person, though, or that, that everybody was looking out for one another, making sure that nobody has fallen off. And while this is going on, someone notices that there is a person that's not working, that there's a person that's missing. And now, is there anyone that, that works uh, that, that works uh, uh, in, in the labor field, and you work with someone that you look around every once in a while, you notice that someone is missing. Brother Travis, you got any guys like that? He said whenever we were doing the bathroom remodel downstairs that I was that guy. <laughs> he would look around and go, someone's missing from here. Where's Brother Lee? <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> but there was a moment that it came whenever they said someone, someone is not here. That person was Jesus. They looked around and realized whenever they did their head count, Jesus is missing. So I can imagine in a frantic search that, they, that, that this began to take place, that they began to look for this man, Jesus, that is on the boat that is not helping them make sure that the boat doesn't go down. This is an all-hands-on-deck moment. There should be nobody that is doing anything other than making sure that the ship does not go down. I can imagine these range of emotions that, that the disciples must now be feeling that as they are facing the worst trial in their life, the worst storm that has ever come against them, as the waves are beating against the boat and the wind is blowing and, and the waves are coming in and the water is beginning to take them down, that Jesus is asleep in the boat, that, that, that the one who has identified himself as God and the one who has shown a miraculous ability and power the one who is the reason that they are even there in the first place is asleep 
on the boat. The disciples were told, the disciples were told to get into the boat by Jesus. And now after he told the disciples to get into the boat and to travel with him, this boat is tossed by the storm. And where, where is this man that has put him in this position? He is asleep, not even doing the least human possible by helping get the water out of the boat. He's just asleep. You see, it's at this moment in the story where most of the time we understand and the way that I've always read it up until, you know, a few years ago, it was during Bible college actually, the way that I always read it was that the disciples as they began to be tossed and the water began to come into the boat and they understood that they were going to drown, that they were going to die, that they went to Jesus and they woke him so that he would get up and he would calm the storm. I, I've, I've always understood this story this way. I've always read it this way. I've always been taught this way. That, that Because we knew the end. We knew what Jesus did. So we all, I, I personally, I'm not going to say we because maybe you guys are much smarter than I am and, and you read the Bible with more common sense than I do. But I always understood that the disciples went to Jesus and they woke him up so that he could calm the storm. So that he would step out onto the bow of the ship and say, peace be still. And the waves would stop, and the wind would stop, and they would survive. That's the way that I always saw it. But as you begin to read this story, and as you read it through and you put it into context, we've got to understand that the disciples, I don't believe, I'm, 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 I'm giving this from my perspective, I don't believe that the disciples were waking Jesus to calm the storm. I believe that the disciples were waking Jesus to hand him a bucket and to say, we need more hands to get water off of the boat. I, I, I say that because at the end, at the end of this story, we find where the disciples, where, where, where the disciples looked at Jesus after he calms the storm. They look at Jesus and they say, what manner of man is this that even the waves even the sea, even the wind, even nature obeys him. Now, if they had gotten up, if they had woken him for him to do that, why would they be so surprised at his actions? I believe that they got up, that they got Jesus up that day so that they could put into his hands what they believed needed to be done in their situation to fix the problem, not allowing for him to do what he's able to do to fix the problem. But wanting him to do what they believe needs to be done to fix, to bring a solution. A lot of times uh, th this, this story resonates so much to us as, as humans and, and to our human nature to where in our own situations, in our own situations, that we a lot of times will look at situations in our life and, and storms that come and problems that come against us and, and things that enter into our home and our life and our families. And, and, and even, I know the youth aren't in here, but in our schools and, and the things that our youth are having to face on a day-to-day -day basis. And a lot of times I believe what we do is we call out to Jesus and we cry out to Him, but we try to give Him the solution. We try to tell him how to fix the problem. It's going to take us to be a little bit honest in here today. 
It's, it, it, even putting this together takes me to be honest with myself to understand that sometimes what I do is I look at God and I say, God, I'm, I'm even doing this in prayer. I, I, I know I'm supposed to be praying. And I'll, I'll go before the Lord in prayer and I'll say, God, here's my situation. Here's my problem. This is what's going on. Now this is how I need you to fix it. Anyone else ever been there? All right. God, in my understanding and my reasoning, this is the best way that I can see this work out. So if you could just do that for me, I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you, and then go on about my way. When the disciples woke Jesus up that day, they said, do you not care that we die? They were asking him. They weren't asking him to calm the waves or, or to dissipate the clouds or to stop the wind or to do a miraculous work in their life. They were stuck in their own world and their own mindset and their, and their own way of doing things. And they were stuck in, in, in their minds and they were fixed on their own solution. And the only way that they could stop the boat from sinking was to get the water off. Jesus, will you just grab a bucket and help us get? the water off of the boat I believe that our greatest downfall is not knowing when to release from the things in our life and to let God do his work I believe that our greatest downfall in our walk with God is being able is not being able to let go of some problems let go of some hurt let go of some pain let go of control of the storm and say, God, I don't understand how you're going to fix this. I don't understand how you're going to make this right. I don't understand how you're going to calm the storm in my life right now. But I'm not worried about the bucket anymore. I'm not worried about the way that I think this needs to be done. But I'm going to put this into your hands. And I'm going to let you fix it the way that you feel it needs to be fixed. What do you need me to do, God? What do you want to do in my life? And open ourselves up and allow him to do that mighty work in us and through us. Sometimes we have got to learn how to release control and allow the one who is able to fix the solution to fix the problem, to bring a solution. We've got to allow him to do it. There was a time in my life whenever I was, I, I don't, I've racked my brain. I'm trying to remember if I was doing something constructive or destructive. I don't remember exactly what was going on, but I remember that I was at the church in Carothersville that I was raised in, and uh, this was while after Bible college and while I was um, while I was helping youth pastor, and um, I was doing something, and I remember a a fluorescent light bulb. Has anyone ever busted a fluorescent light bulb before? All right, it's spectacular. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, have you ever used those as lightsabers? Come on, bro. <laughs> you know you have. All right, you hit them against each other and they explode. I don't think that's what I was doing, but that does happen. But I remember that that however this went down, that a fluorescent light bulb had busted and that shards of that glass had gotten into my eye. And I remember now I was on a ladder in the foyer of the church, and I was changing a bulb from a, a youth event that we had had in there, and it was one of those 
fluorescence that uh, that screw in that's got the little swirly deal, and it poof, exploded and it got in my eye. And I can remember being up on that ladder. I can remember being up on that ladder, and my eyes are sealed shut. I can feel glass in my eye. And I'm up on the ladder. I don't know what to do. So I begin to holler out. I know I'm not the only one in the church at the time. And I begin to cry out, hey, I need help. All right. I don't remember what all I said, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure that I was, I was frantic needing help because I had, I had this, this problem, this situation, this glass had gotten into my eye. And I can remember them helping me down off of that ladder, and we went into the restroom. And, and my dad, since 1981, has been a firefighter and involved in, in, in the medical field and different things. And, and he's trying to help me. And uh, he keeps, he, he, he pulls my eyeball open. I'm not getting graphic here. It wasn't like hanging out or anything like that, but just my eyelid. He pulls my eyelid open where he can see into there. And he sees a couple pieces of glass, which I already knew was there because I could feel them. And he begins to tell me, calm down, stay still, stay still. First off, if anyone has ever told anyone to calm down, you'll understand that never in the history of calming down has anyone ever calmed down by saying calm down, okay? It doesn't help. But he's telling me, you know, calm down, calm down, calm down, stop moving, stop. And, and I'm thinking in my head, at the time, I'm a police officer and a firefighter as well. I'm thinking I'm going to help him. I, I know as much as he does, you know. So I, like, got my head back, and he's trying to look in. He's got it held open. He's trying to, and I'm, I'm over here trying to help him as well. I can feel it in there, and we got all of our fingers in my eyeball over here, and we're trying to get it out. And finally, he stops me. He says, Randall, stop trying to help me. Stop trying to help me. It was a moment whenever I had to lay back, completely release, stop doing anything, and just let the one who is in control to get the problem removed from my life. Whenever I was putting this together and praying about it and, 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 and preparing for this, I, this story came back to my mind. And, and it's so true. It, it, it links directly into our spiritual life. How so many times we get into situations at no fault of our own, that it just happens, things happen, and that while God is trying to intervene and put his hand down and begin to fix the problem and to remove this or take that out and, and mend here and fix that, that the whole time we're saying, yeah, but I don't want to move that. No, put this back. No, no, leave that there. No, do it this way. No, that's going to hurt too much. No, and then finally God just has to say, stop, let go. Stop trying to help me. Let me do my work. I believe that this is the same type of thing that we find in the Bible here in this story where the disciples have woken up Jesus and, and they haven't woken him up in a, in a way to say, Jesus, we want you to fix this the best way that you think possible. We don't, that they aren't saying, will you please step out and, and calm the storm and, and fix the situation? But they're saying, this is the way that we think this needs to be fixed. Will you do it this way, please? Now, I'm not saying that you have to do nothing. There's a point where we have to call out for help. There was a point whenever I was up on that ladder and I knew that there was a problem and that I wasn't going to be able to make it on my own, that I had to call out for help. I explained my, my situation. But at some point, I had to let go of myself 
and allow for the person who is trained to do the work that had to be done to fix my situation. Church, it's okay for us to call out to help, for help from God. Psalm 69, David says, Rescue me from the mire. Do not let me sink. Deliver me from those who hate me, from the deep waters. Do not let the flood waters engulf me or the depths swallow me up or the pit close its mouth over me. He, he's giving very descriptive things that are going on here that, that he's trying to explain. God, this is what's going on in my life. And I'm not just giving you a quick overview, God, but I'm telling you this is in detail what's happening in my life and, and I need your help. But what we don't find is David telling him how to fix it he says God I need your help this is my problem this is what you have to work with this is, this is what's going on in my life but he never says this is how you need to fix it but many times we'll find ourselves going to prayer and telling God what our problem is and then how to fix it. And then we leave prayer and immediately go right back into the situation and begin to do our own thing and turning knobs and twisting here and, and talking to that person and, and trying to fix it over here and, and telling this one, well, if you'll tell them that. And the whole time God is saying, if you will just let go and let me do my work, I can fix this in no time. We've got to let God do his work. But it's so hard for us as humans, right? It's so hard for us to let go, to let go, to release. It's so hard for us to not be in control of every situation. I, I have that problem. I, I, I'm not sure if that, if that was the type of thing that, that's in me that led me into law enforcement or if law enforcement birthed that in me, but I have something about me that feels like I need to be in control of situations. And, and, and if, I, if, if, if there's someone that's, that's testing that control, I've got to assert my authority at times, all right? And if you ever see that, if you ever see that come out in me, just look at me and say, hey, you're not a cop. I'm, I'm being 100 with you right now. Say, hey. You're not a cop, all right? And, and I'll, I'll, I'll step back and I'll understand what's happening. I've, I've learned to be able to do that. But there's something about us as humans, no matter what, no matter what background we come from or no matter what kind of experiences we have in our life, there's something about us that we, we want to have control over our situations, there's something about us that even wants to be able to look back and say, well, that was fixed because I. That, that, that was resolved because that conversation that I had or, or that thing. Whenever if we would just go to God in prayer. And I, I, know, I, know that this, I know that this sounds a little bit whimsical and a little bit uh, like, like fairy tale. But really, if we will go to God in prayer... And we will sincerely tell him our problem. And we will sincerely release and allow him to do the work. Things will begin to resolve. And things will begin to happen that we won't be able to explain. And we'll have to say things like, I don't understand it. But God. And that's what he's looking for. 
He's looking for the glory in the situation. Not for us to be able to boast of what we've done or how we fixed it, but for us to be able to release and to say, God fixed the situation. Again, I, I, can't, I can't lay it out for you in a, in a sequence on the board or anything like that and tell you exactly how it works, but I know for a fact that there have been moments in my life that I would have a situation, a problem that I was going through with a person or, 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 or with someone at work or something that was going on, and I would find a place of prayer, and I would release that to God and say, God, I don't, I don't know how to fix this. I don't know what to do. I, I'm not going to be able to make it on my own. I'm going to give this to you and let you have it, and I will back up and release, and I will begin to see that thing turn around and things begin to happen because whenever we understand that if we will release things to God, that God will begin to do a work that we are not able to do on our own, but we've got to get past ourselves, church. We've got to get past ourselves and release it to him and allow him to do the work that he wants to do. We've got to understand more than anything, more than anything today, that God has our best interest at heart. I don't know why it is that we always feel that, that, that God is going to let us down for some reason. What reason do we have to feel that way? Why do we feel like that if we don't do it ourselves that God's not going to fix the problem? In the Bible we find over and over where Jesus says things like that he came to seek and to save the lost. That it's not his will that any should perish. We find in the word that his mercy endureth forever. His grace is sufficient. His power has no bounds. His thoughts are pure. That, that, his, that he does not have a motive. That we are his child. But we do not trust him with our problem. Church, understand. Randall, understand that God is not against you. But God is fighting for you. God is fighting for you. It may feel like at times that he's asleep on the boat while your situation is going on. But I'm here to tell you that if you will cry out to him, if you will release it to him and give him your situation, give him your trial, give him your sickness, give him your pain, give him whatever it is that is going on in your life, that he will stretch down, he will reach down, and he will begin to move on your behalf because he loves you. But we've got to release him to do the work in our life that he wants to do. Jesus asked the question that if your son asked for a loaf of bread, how many of you as a father would give your son a stone? Jesus asked the question if, if you be an earthly an earthly father, if your son asked for a fish, how many of you would give him a snake? And if you being evil can give good to your children, then how much more is God willing to give to you, your heavenly father? I want us to come to a realization today that as much as we would love to give good gifts to our children our earthly children as much as we would love to give them everything that they want and fix every problem in their life that God wants the same for you today
that as your heavenly Father, that even more, He wants that for you and He is capable of doing that for you today. Throughout the Old Testament, we find in every situation that David faces that we find him doing two things that he trusts in God he trusts in God and he finds peace that through all of the Psalms that we read we find where, where David gets into bad situations where he gets into trials and circumstances he cries out for help but ultimately what David does is he puts his trust in God and in all of those scenarios, in all of those situations, that as he releases that thing to God to do his work, that David is able to find peace in his moment of trial. Again, I can't explain it, but I've had many situations where I would find an altar of prayer and I would pray about something and I would get up from that thing, from that altar, and the problem would still be there. The situation would still be going on. The trial would still be happening. The wind would still be blowing. The waves would still be raging. The storm still going on. But there would be a peace about me that I knew that I'd release that to God and that He has my best interest at heart. That He's looking out for me and that He's fighting for me. That He is not against me. It's in moments like that that we can say as the psalmist says, I will lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. It's at moments like that that the psalmist could pen things like, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. God has always been in the business of doing things His way in ways that we don't understand and that we can't comprehend. Defeating armies with things like trumpets and, and yelling and marching and breaking pots. I can't explain it. In the New Testament, we find where disciples were released from prisons by simply singing praises. Do the math. It doesn't make sense. But it doesn't have to in the economy of God. If we will release our problems to Him, we have to understand and know that God is willing to step out and to calm our storm. But we've got to get out of this mindset. And you can stand with me. We've got to get, get out of this mindset of, God, here's a bucket. Help me get the water out. And just allow for him to do the work that he wants to do. And I believe that there will be moments in our life that we will look back and we'll say, what manner of man is this? that he was able to do fill in the blank. But it comes from a moment where we release from ourselves and say, God, do the work in my life. I believe that there was probably a moment, again, trying to put myself in their shoes, whenever they woke up Jesus and they said, fix it this way, and maybe one of them was handing him a bucket, and he just walks right past it. They're like, what is he doing? We're going to drown. And he steps out onto the end of that ship. 
that boat and he puts his hand out and he says, peace be still. It was at that moment that the disciples understood there's something more about him than the constraints of this earth. Than the constraints of our own mind and the way that we think things need to be fixed. And that if we will not give him the solution, but just let him have the problem, that he can fix it all on his own. I don't know who I'm preaching to today or what your situation is, what you're going through. But I'll tell you this. I debated on even, on even mentioning this because I, I don't, I don't want to come across as like spooky, whatever. But yesterday, I was home alone. Danielle is off in Chicago with her family. She's got a niece that's graduated. And I'm glad she's able to do that. I was, I was at the house by myself. And I was working on this message and praying and preparing. And I want to tell you that I felt something coming into the, into the room where I was that I didn't understand. I didn't like it. It did not feel like a spirit from God. And as I prayed a little more and as I thought about it, as I asked God to open my eyes to understand what was happening, in, into the room, and it, it, it covered me, it, it came over me so heavy, there was a spirit of oppression that came on me it began to change the way that I was thinking it began to make me feel like hope was lost and I didn't even know what hope was lost for I, I didn't get it but immediately the Lord began to speak to me and tell me that there is a spirit of oppression that has come over someone or some people in this place or maybe even this church. I, I didn't receive a, com a, a completely clear understanding of who or what for. But I began to feel that the enemy has tried to convince some people that it's over. That you've been oppressed by the enemy for far too long. That you've been pressed down and your mind has been turned into believing that the wind will never stop. The waves will never stop coming into the boat. That the storm is never going to stop raging. And I'm here to tell you today that if whatever that situation is, whatever that trial, if you will release that to God today, whatever that problem is in your life that you've been facing, if you will release that to God today and stop trying to fix it on your own, that that spirit will lift off of you. That as I begin to pray in my apartment yesterday, as I begin to pray that God would help me understand of how to address this situation, that I began to feel that spirit lift off of me as well. But it was through prayer. And I believe, I believe that if today, that if we can release whatever that is that's in our life, that we've been facing for such a long time. Whatever it is that, that, that we're going through, that if we can release that, that that spirit of oppression, that spirit that has been trying to keep us down for so long and try to, trying to keep us from being able to move forward for so long as a people, as a church, as a person, as a family, as a home, whatever your situation, that God is ready and willing today to do a work if you will release it to Him. 
What I want to do today is I, I want to open this up. I want to open up these altars this morning to allow someone to release to God what it is that you need to let go of and let Him have. It's not saying that you're a, a ranked sinner, that you're going to hell. We all face storms, right? We established that at the beginning. There's storms that we all go through. Right now, someone today is going through something, and God wants to release you. God wants to heal you from it. God wants to do a work in your life, but we have to release it to Him. We have to release it to Him today. We've got to let that thing go. There's got to come a moment where we stop trying to do it on our own and we let God work the way that He wants to work in our life. Come on, right now, if we can all lift our hands all across this place. If we can all lift our hands all across this place right now. Come on, cry out to God and let Him know. You don't have to come around this front. You, you can if you would like. You can come to this altar if you would like.